Yo, Betfair Traders, Ryan Carruthers here. Welcome to the Betfair Training Community Podcast, where every single week we release episodes. Martin releases one, I release one, mine isn't Ask Me Anything, and Martin sort of dives into a topic. Um, this is one of my favourite things to do. I absolutely love this Ask Me Anything. And um, I'll just run through it, a bit of housekeeping. I'm always going to run through the housekeeping, always do it, because... What I found is people are picking this up a little bit later than others, so some might be listening to this one. This is episode number 16, and I just want to make sure that the same format and that you understand how it works. I just want to keep this really, really simple. So you can ask a question. Um, It doesn't matter whether you're a member or not, you will get your question answered, and it's just very, very straightforward. The questions are always the same. They're in the show notes. What is your name? What are you struggling with when it comes to trading? Remember, the more detailed you are, the better your answer is going to be. The bonus question is, do you want to ask me anything? Now, people have used this to ask me things about like, what's your favourite fast food or, you know, those kind of things. So if you want to ask that, then crack on. Last question, are you a member of BTC or not? So it doesn't mean I'm going to answer your question any differently just means that I can sort of know if members are using it or not. And um, if then I sort of see your name, if you've left your name, then um, if I see you around the community as well, then I'll sort of have a little bit more background information about you, which makes me sound almost like a police officer. I don't want to do that. But yeah, that's it. Um, so you can you can email in and ask for the form and then save that form. What I would do is I would save this form on your phone. If you use Safari, save it as a bookmark. If Chrome, bookmark it. Just bookmark it and use it every single week. One of the things that I have found people doing is using this to to sort of get a little bit better at trading before they decide whether they want to they want to join us or not. And I've said before that it isn't a hard sell on this podcast. This is literally just a free Ask Me Anything podcast. This paired with the YouTube channel are going to give you so much information on trading that's going to enable you to get better. So yeah, use it. Um, If you do email in your questions, uh, you will get given an email to fill in the form. If you can't be bothered to fill that form in, I can't be bothered to f- to answer your question. Um, It just makes everything so much easier doing this, the, the form as well. So it's really, really cool. It's really straightforward. Um, And let's get cracking. So last week I spoke about... um that I spoke to a member who's given me some really, really good quotes and they shared one of their quotes, um, Dan did, in the in the show. You know, they put it in, in the form and I thought, hey, this is a really, really good idea. I think I even just came up with it live when I recorded this because there's no editing on this, by the way. Um, it, I do it in one take and I don't normally check the questions before either. Um, I, feel, I just feel that's how I work best. Um, and I thought it was really, really good to sort of talk about quotes. So what I'm going to do now, at the start of this show, before I go into the the questions, I'm going to share a quote, and Dan has kindly put together a sheet for me with loads of them on. And if this is popular and you like it, then I can also add another question to the form. It will make it a little bit longer, but I could ask add another question, you know, like, what is the quote? Who is it from? And what are your thoughts on that? So then you could get your quote that help, has helped you with trading shared out as well, shouted out on this. So this is the quote, and it's from The Mental Game of Trading by Jared Tendler. And the quote is, the key to success is patience. This does not mean you take your time. It means moving as fast as possible whilst maintaining the process to be successful. Think of it as an assembly line. 
You don't want it moving too fast and end up with lots of broken products or too slow that nothing gets finished on time. My thoughts on the above, so this is Dan's thoughts. I wrote this down when I originally read the book, but it seems to make more sense now than it did. We've spoken many times about patience being arguably the most important key skill to successful trading. I love this quote. I absolutely love this quote because one of the things that I find is people aren't patient and they want to run too fast or exactly like it says at the end, you know, moving too fast with broken products or too slow and nothing gets finished. People, they, they struggle to find that middle balance. And for me, it's patience in your strategy, but having a system to make sure that 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 strategy is working. So are you getting enough selections on that strategy? Are you doing the right things with that strategy? Are you giving yourself enough time to be successful with that strategy? And patience is one of the things that if you can master, if you can master being patient, then you will be a better trader. And I'm talking to a friend at the minute who um, who is a trader. They might even be listening to this. If they are, they'll know exactly who they are. Now, they support the worst team in my eyes in the world, Man United. But they are, they have all of the makings of being a successful trader, right? Literally all of the makings of being a successful trader. They, The things they do, the, the, when they follow the strategy, works. They go off the plan and it doesn't work. So if they had patience and stuck to the plan, they would be a very, very successful trader. Now, that isn't something that I'm, they'll be hearing for the first time. I've actually told them that. So love that. Love how we started this show. We've, it feels like we've already started on a high. You've already got something really cool from it. And let's move into the questions then. So again, what is your name? What are you struggling with when it comes to trading? The more detailed you are, the better your answer will be. Is there anything else you want to ask me? And are you a member or not? Now, William has added in, two and it looks like you filled the finish the form in before you you'd finished so i'm going to go back just going to do your second one so william says um what they're struggling with is laying on horse racing and they are asking so the bonus question how to minimize liability what are the minimum number of horses per race that should be running to make a good lay as the favourite is not decided till just before the race starts, so laying early could be a problem. So would laying two or three a horse with the best odds and liability with the best odds and liability for laying? Okay, so how to minimise your liability? You stake as liability. So instead of putting £10 stake in and then laying a horse at odds of 4.0 and that being £30 liability, reduce that stake so it would be £10 liability. Okay, so that will minimise your liability. So it will reduce it. Okay, so that's what I would say for that. Now, I don't really know what the minimum number of horses per race should be to to make a good lay. That's a that's a question that you have an idea around. So I would I would be looking in. I'd be leaning into that. I'd be leaning into that, and I'd also be leaning into your um, third question. You know, as a favourite, not decided till just before the race starts. Laying early could be a problem. So would laying two or three horses with the best odds and liability for laying? Now, for me, I and I'm going to answer two and three sort of together. I don't really know how many minimum horses. I would say there's got to be at least four. Um, but for me, is it goes to the on question two, what has to happen? That's what you what you always, always, always have to think. And that was always what I was thinking when I was laying horses. I would be looking at a horse going 
what has to happen for this horse not to win the race? Well, there has to be other horses in the race that can beat it. Okay, is there? And this is my super trader framework, which I would definitely recommend, William, you going through um, and and watching. It is on this podcast. Um, I can't remember the podcast episode number, but I do mention it a lot. And one of the reasons I mention it a lot is a lot of the questions that people ask, I put into that 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 um that super trader framework it is also on youtube as well where you can actually see me talking through it and you can also then get the document and um, so yeah i would definitely look for that on youtube on the youtube channel but that is it is what has to happen for that horse to not win the race well there has to be other horses that are quicker than it that can jump better than it that prefer the course the distance that prefer the jockey that's on them that you know, all of those things. Once you have the answer to that, then you know whether that horse is a good horse or not. Um, and that's also the same with question three. I never liked like laying two or three horses in a race just because laying, you are you are laying, so you're putting more money into the market. And I used, I didn't minimise my liability because I tested everything and I knew that it was, it was going to work the way I wanted it. Um, so I was flat staking my lays. Now, to do two or three in that race, I wouldn't have been comfortable doing that. But you might find with your strategy, you are. So I feel like you, you're you almost there. And I think the Super Trader framework would would really, really, really give you the, the best chance of turning your ideas for a lay strategy into, into a solid, solid strategy. Now I am just going to find you the number of that, um, super trader framework episode. I'm going to say, cause I'm going to say it so many times, two, five, six, I'm probably going to remember it off by heart. Um, it's episode number 256 on this podcast. I would listen to that and that's probably then going to build out a really, really good idea of laying horses. For me, my strategy with laying horses was very, very simple. How I got my shortlist was I'd go to the racing post, I'd look at the naps table, anyone with minus 25 points on that naps table, any horse that they tipped that day, I would then add that to my list. Then I would start to do my research around that horse to see if that horse was any good or not. Um, so hopefully that helps. Okay. Ian S is a member. Do I need to do anything to protect my Betfair Exchange account? Coming from a match betting background, you're only an email away from gubbing. When you would you recommend not taking the free bets on Betfair Sportsbook or are they separate entities? Okay. When you first started this question, I was gonna say, I was wondering, um, did you mean in case in like two two factor authentication two FA, okay? I can't ever say certain words I can't say. This podcast is definitely telling me which ones i would definitely set up firstly two factor two fa two factor authentication okay just just extra layer of protection i have been there when i haven't had it on and my account has been hacked and they've taken money from my account betfair did manage to get all that sorted out but um two fa has definitely helped and it has made my account a lot more secure now you don't one of the things you don't need to worry about with the betfair exchanges you're never ever going to get gubbed okay as long as you don't break the rules of betfair where you know you're trading in the country you shouldn't be or from a country you shouldn't be or you know that's that's the main one or you have traded with an account hit premium charge and then created an account to avoid the premium charge they will 
find out about that. But it is very, very unlikely you're actually going to get banned from the exchange account. So you're okay because the exchange isn't a bookmaker. How the exchange works is it matches people up, normal people, me, you, Ian, William, Calvi, Dave. I'm just calling out the names of the people who um, who have added, added questions in. That's how it does that. And then they take a profit, a percentage um, of the profit. Okay. Now, when it comes to the sports book, you could get gubbed at some point, but I would definitely still be using their free bets. Um, it's free money, um, especially because you will be laying them off on the exchange. You could you could just do that. If they gub you on the, the sports book, it doesn't matter because your goal is going to be to use the exchange anyway. So I wouldn't worry too much. Um, moving on to the next question. I only have two questions left. So this one's going to be a little bit of a shorter one. Um Yes, I meant in the last episode that the purpose would be to cover up professional trading with some taxable business because I won't get any sympathy from anyone if trading doesn't go well. Some people might even be happy for me for my failure. How to deal with the professional to deal with that pressure that professional trading brings when there is no longer a salary at the end of the month. This is a good one. This is a really good one. And one of the things that I always advise people on is to make sure that your trading you have a enough money to cover your expenses for six months if you're going to go trading properly, full-time, professional. One of the things that you're going to notice is, you know, after a couple of months, you start matching your salary. Great. Well, can you keep doing that? Okay, great. Well, if you can actually keep matching your salary for a good few months, you can save that money if your goal is to become a professional trader so that you actually have six months of your salary. So you can cover all of your bills for six months, no matter what, that gives you a really, really good runway to then be able to trade and trade freely knowing that it doesn't matter if you have a bad month because you can actually cover your salary. And I would actually wait to go professional until you have at least, just this is just myself, six months of like back-to-back profitable months where you're making more than your salary. That's what I would do because that shows that you can do it and you then have a good buffer of money um, to cover your salary for the next six months. Um, So hopefully that answers your question. Next one is the bonus question. How many ticks do you aim for with your tennis trading per match on average? How have you decided to go for such a number? If you lay a first set winner, are you trying to lay odds below what is offered in order to get an increase in return? How many ticks do you notice it generally gives you? Uh, if the matched amount is, example, over 100k. Okay, good good question. You always answer, ask some really, really good questions, Calvi. So I don't actually have a aimed tick percentage with my tennis trades, okay? I have experience of where the market will go, and I also do have a document that will tell me. Uh, so I will... Jump into my Google now and I will find it. So I know what's going to happen. Okay, tennis. I have a tennis price predictor calculator. So I know the starting price of a, of a player if I'm backing them and I'm usually backing sort of like one point. So let's go 1.70, okay? It tells me that if they win the set, that's 1.18 is what their price is going to be. So I know I can lay that for like 1.19. Great, so I know I'm going to get that. But for me, it's not about 
the ticks. It's about managing that trade, which I've spoken about on this podcast before, you know, about is what I initially thought that's going to happen still happening? Because I don't want to get distracted by this example. Let me t- let me t- talk you through an example. I'm ba- I backed a player, Rafael Nadal, at 1.70, okay? Just for example, okay? They both had their own server now I've backed him because that's how I do my, my trade. First set. Now, in my head, I'm going, right, I'm going to get out when Nadal wins the first set, 1.18. Now, if I was just purely relying on that, and going for the ticks, I would be so focused, just me personally, on hitting 1.18 because I know that's the price I'm getting out at and that's that's the set win and that's what I'm getting out. That would blind me to what could be happening in the actual trade. So the way I do it is I, I have a rough exit in mind, which is the set win, and I know that's going to be around roughly 1.18 if I back to 1.7, 1.70, then I... I'm just monitoring that trade all the time. Every time Nadal serves, he wins a game, he wins a point. I'm always referring back to my what has to happen question. What has to happen for Nadal to win that set? What has to happen for him to win that match? Well, he has to be hitting that forehand that he hits. He has to be running around the ball and he has to be playing those cross-court shots and he has to be moving his opponent out of position. That is what I'm more focused on than anything else. I'm not focused on the the ticks, for example, because I'm more managing my trades. The second that I see Nadal start to to drop off that, I'm... my gut reaction is okay what's going on here right let's get into that let's lean into that let's watch that let's see if that continues let's get out that could happen at Nadal being 4-1 up and I could get out because I'm managing my winners and my and my losses I'm actually then getting out of that trade and then I'm taking the approach after to monitor was my initial observation correct or not so I might be look I might be looking and seeing something that isn't actually happening I might be wrong Afterwards, he might have just gone on. It might have been a blip. I'd make a note of that. And then I just constantly am assessing and checking that whether I'm right or not. Because if I traded only on those ticks, I would maybe miss something at 4-1 because I'm waiting to hit 1.18 and it hasn't got there yet. Boom. And I'm like, Nadal is off this, but I'm waiting to 1.18 because I'm getting out at the end of the first set. Oh, Okay. And then he ends up being 4-4 and I'm in a right royal mess, okay? So that's why I do it. Now, if it gets to 4-1 and the Dahl's price does hit 1.18, I am getting out because that's what my price predictor tells me the set price will finish on. Now, it might be a whole different set of events that have actually led to that. It might just be that, you know, more money has backed Nadal, so his price has actually moved more, down more than it normally would. Um, and then the argument would be, well, okay, Ryan, but um, if you're watching and you're monitoring the game and he's going to win it, you could be leaving a few ticks on the table. That might actually go down to like 110 if he wins the first set. It might but also it might not. But for me, that's the, that's the parameters that my trading has been built on. My successful trading has been built on backing after one, both players have served and getting out at the end of the first set based upon the calculations that I've always used, this price predictor and my, my value model. So 
I don't need to change that. So hopefully that does help. And then um, you lay a first set winner. Are you trying to uh, set lay odds below what is offered? No, I take what is offered. Sometimes if I feel like there's money that I could, if I could get like an extra couple of ticks, I will. But most of the time I take what is offered um, because there's already value beaten into that price. So I'm happy. And then I am just doing the exact same process. I am monitoring that trade. Um, so hopefully that helps. And then last question comes from Dave. And I think I've just seen this on the community as well. Um, so I think you've got an answer, but I am going to try my best. So if I'm able to source a Windows laptop with the idea of using it for automation, probably Angel. what sort of spec would I need? Uh, can it be fairly low spec for Angel, BTC and match betting? Uh, were all it is used for. So I haven't actually got a clue, to be honest, because I am not a uh, major sort of... I'm quite technical with that. Like I'm quite geeky with tech, but I, in the terms of I just like it, I don't know like the power, what the power, the power means. And I also run a Mac, not a Windows. Um, now, I know that... You can run BTC and match betting off pretty much any device. You could probably even do that for phone because BTC is powered by, is, is browser-based, so it doesn't actually use up that much power. Um, Bet Angel, I genuinely don't know for. Um, I have seen some guys in the forum today help answer this question, so they're probably more suited to answering that, and that's one of the best things about Betfair training community. You've got other guys who have sort of, specialist knowledge in various different things also like laptops and power of computers so they're also sort of answering that for you so yeah sadly i am not the best person to ask um i would have referred you to adam but i've seen that other people have also asked that as well um and answered that for you sorry so that is so hopefully sorted if not then um let me know and we'll get it sorted. So that's it today, guys. Quick one, uh, 22 minutes. I will see you next week for another one of these. You know how to fill in the form. Um, it, the form is also linked on the Betfair Trading Community Twitter, um, at BetfairTC, so you can find it there. It's also in the show notes, and I will see you next week for another one of these episodes.